Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you for another week of entertainment and perhaps information. I'm here with EJ, my friend. Say hello to them. Bonjour, mes amis. Okay. Her French is really good. I told you that. Her mother, her, not her mother, her grandmother was a French citizen. So anyway, we have stories for you. We will start with the good and the bad and the ugly of the news. There's some news. There's a lot of news. Can't cover it all. We will have some dumb criminal law stories as usual, some riddles, and a Paul Harvey story today. So let's get started. The good news of this week is that uh, the cave ordeal is over. Yay! That's exactly right. This was in Thailand. And the Washington Post wrote, as the last ambulances race down a muddy pathway flanked by lush fields, Thai Navy officials confirmed Tuesday that every member of a youth soccer team, 12 boys and a 25-year-old coach, had been led to safety from the flooded cave where they were marooned for more than two weeks. As a matter of fact, it was 18 days. Wow. They were called the Wild Boars. That's the name of their soccer team. And, of course, uh, the country and people in the country of Thailand have been jubilant, but people all over the world are happy about what happened. Now, you know, I learned that uh, these 12 boys had this coach. He is a what's called a novice monk. He's a monk in training, but he also was a soccer fan and has uh, coaches these boys. But why in the world would he take them three miles into a cave? Now, again, we're glad that they're out. It's a heck of a story. I knew that Hollywood would come calling. As a matter of fact, I just read in the news today that Hollywood agents are trying to get the rights to the story. A lot of people in Thailand are saying, it's too soon. Let the boys recuperate, particularly their parents are saying, we don't want it to be a movie right away. So we'll see what happens there. But it was a heck of a story. I mean, it just really was. What What, what do you think about it, EJ? Well, I... I think it's a wonderful thing, again, that they were saved, but the ordeal was so wrenching every day. They couldn't figure out how they were going to save them, what they were going to do to get to them. And it is sad that a diver died. Yes, that's right. Too, in the efforts to save. So I, I think the coach was too much of a novice to have taken them into a cave. I did, you would think that he would have um, planned for something like this. I mean, uh, food, <laughs> um, checking the weather, you know, have some kind of knowledge about going into caves. Well, the, if you live monsoon. in if you live in Thailand, you know that monsoons are going to start in the summer in July and August, and okay. monsoon rains just keep coming. Mm. So I guess he didn't think about that. But, you know, I keep going back to the fact, you know, there are people who like to go caving. They're called spelunkers. I'm not a spelunker. I'm too 
claustrophobic to get into a cave. It's okay to go into the mouth of a cave, but why would he take them three miles into the cave? I don't know. And there was only one adult? One adult. Twelve boys. Not all of them were from the soccer team. As I, I've read that one of the boys was just a friend of the goalie of the soccer team, mm-hmm. and he liked his friend so much that uh, the friend came with them on this trip mm-hmm. to whatever soccer match they went to and then went in the cave with them. But I now see. all the boys are out. The families are happy. The world is happy. Even President Trump said it was a great thing that they were uh, saved. Well, the United States did send in some uh, experts. That's right. To uh, offer their assistance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they helped to uh, what work on the cave. To they helped. They it. helped widen some parts mm-hmm. of the cave, and they did some underwater things that they needed to do. Uh, like you said, one of the Thai Navy people died because he ran out of oxygen when. They were down there trying to make the boys or make a way for the boys to get out. But obviously the the Thai wanted to do it themselves. Yeah, they did. I mean, and they seemed very competent. Um, It was their divers that did the real hard work. But there were people from Australia, Britain, the United States came and they gave their their opinions about what should be done and how they could get the boys out. That's right. Expertise is the word that we want to talk about. Now, all the boys are in the hospital. I understand that they're not eating real solid food. They're eating more porridge kind of things that are easy to digest. Of course, the boys want some pork (laughs) and basil. They like that, you know, but uh, doctors say they can't get it right now. They're being quarantined from their parents. Their parents can see them through the glass, but they can't touch them now. There's real fear that there may be problems with the boys, with infections of certain types. Most of them are very weak because they hadn't eaten well for two weeks. And, and their muscles, they yeah, their muscles, about skin yeah. breakdown. Yeah, that's right. And their muscles haven't been exercised. Right. They were in a closed quarters with no light, you know, no vitamin D. And little sun, oxygen. Little oxygen. And also, um, they're saying possible infections because they're in closed quarters. You know, they had to relieve themselves and, you know, there's no place right. for that. But let, uh, sewage to go anywhere, so they had to inhale that for that long, long period of time. Well, speaking of inhaling, the doctors really worry about what's called histoplasmosis. Now, most of us have God never heard you. of <laughs> most people have never heard of histoplasmosis, but it's a lung disease that people who go in caves, these spelunkers, cave for people who explore, they have to worry about it. Because histoplasmosis yeah, is, is caused by bat spores. Bats live in caves oh. and they relieve themselves in the caves. And these spores carry germs that will infect your lungs. Mm, it's so like it's, mold spores. Well, you know, yeah, but it's just, it's just bat dung. That's what it comes down to. And that's what the doctors are really afraid of. Now, one of the boys, as I understand it, did have lung problems, breathing problems when he came in. 
but they worked on him and uh, he's breathing normally now. We don't know that anyone, any of them have been a, a subject to histoplasmosis, but that's what the doctors have been worrying about. Mm. The other thing that we have to look at is that the, the boys, none of them could swim, but they had to learn how to at least work with these divers who put them, uh, face masks on them and air tanks and guided them out. I mean, that's just that for these boys were between 11 years old and 16 years old, never learned how to swim. And uh, it's a miracle that they all got out of this. And uh, again, the doctors who or the um, expertise experts who said they could do it this way, they were right. But it took a lot of doing. It took, as I understand it, about three to four hours to get groups out. They took four boys at a time and uh, they had to go this almost three miles, much of it underwater. Mm. I mean, really crazy. I, I'd go crazy. I'm too ca- claustrophobic. claustrophobic to do this kind of thing. I stay away from caves. I don't want to go in them. Well, they had some kind of a rope that yep. they hung on to. So That's they right. had a sense of how, which way to go. That's right. Um, I imagine it was dark. Well, caves are dark, but they had <laughs> they had big flashlights. I don't know oh, if yeah. they used them all the way, but uh, some of this was filmed, and I think we'll probably find out more about it. Well, not, was that 18 days? 18 days altogether before everyone got out. That was it. We There were um, four. So they were there nine days before people realized. Yep, that's about right. They, before they found them. That's right. They weren't sure where they were. And well, I just uh, think about how the parents must wonder or know the parents must have been going bazook bonkers. <laughs> Berserk, you mean. Bazook. Berserk. <laughs> going bonkers and being separated from their children for that length of time. Yeah, the, the parents were really, really Nine worked, worked up. Nine days at a minimum. Yep. 18 days at a maximum. Yep. Here I have some more information. It says the doctors and say that... And that'll probably be a good segue for our next story. Well, before we get to it, the doctors say that each boy should be quarantined for at least seven days to monitor uh, what's happening with their systems. And they are all anxious to eat solid food again. I guess they would be. Well, that shows how, you know, they are somewhat healthy. Think about they just... And our boys would have wanted a, a hamburger and fries. <laughs> That's right. All right. This is uh, the good news. Uh, just the last thought that I'll have on it. About uh, 53 years ago, the same thing, a similar thing happened in Arkansas, Arkansas in the United States, in the Ozark oh, really? Mountains. About four, four spelunkers, people who like to go in caves, were on a expedition. And a rainstorm came up and flooded part of the uh, wow the uh, cave. cave. Uh-huh. People didn't even know where they were, but searchers found them and learned they were in this cave. And again, they had to have Navy divers come and help them get out. But there's only four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fellow who recounted the story was now he's head of uh, wildlife and environment stuff in Arkansas. He's uh, much older now, hmm. but uh, he made it out. He said he did. He did know how to swim, 
but he ne- never knew anything about diving, you know, wearing face mask or oxygen uh, tanks. Oh, wow. They gave them a crash course of six or seven minutes to learn how to do this. Interesting. And they were led out by the divers. He got out and he was the first one out, the first one rescued. And the fellow who came right behind him, who was an older man, the fellow recounting the story was only 20 years old when this happened. A a fellow who was older came out right after him and collapsed as soon as he got out of the the cave and they found he had a heart attack. Can you imagine that? After going through all of that, all of this, they were, they were there for about a week in the cave and, uh, he died of a heart attack. And how old was he? He was about 46. Oh, wow. That's a shame. So one person died then, too. Yeah, one person died. Then and in uh, Thailand. Right. But just somebody I wanted to say, um, Chrissy Teigen. Isn't she Thai? Yes, she's from Thailand. Yeah. Yes. So that's somebody. I don't know if that's still her nationality, but I guess that's where she was born, so she will be Thai. Yeah, she's a Thai native. That's right. Right. And a pretty one, too. At least John Legend thinks so. That's right. <laughs> All right. She, who just had, she just had a baby. That's right. A baby mm-hmm. boy, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can make a connection. All right. That. So all of this has been good. Let's now talk about the bad before we have to take our first pause for the cause. Basically, the bad news is, is that families are not being reunited at the border. The children who have taken away from their families because they wanted to get gain asylum or ask for asylum in the United States, have been separated. Originally, it was thought that there were 2,000 children who were separated. We learned this week that the total number of children taken from their parents may be as high as 3,000 children. This comes from Mr. Uh, Azar. He's a fellow who is head of the health and human services that oversees this. He said the new numbers reflect reports from different immigration agencies and a review by hand by himself and others of case files of about 11,000 immigration cases. So this court case, uh, they were required to reunite the younger children. Yes. The deadline was yesterday. The deadline was yesterday and about these were for the children who are under five years old. Mm -hmm. Half of them have been reunited with their family, but the other half have not. And uh, the HHS, that's Health and Human Human Services, Services. fellow Mm -hmm. says uh, we just can't do it in this time. The president says he doesn't care because they should not bring their children and cross the border illegally. So there's more to be done. We know that a federal district judge has been... He doesn't care, and this is a court ruling. What happened to uh, following the law? Well, sometimes there's some things you just can't do. How about having a heart? Yes, well, we need more of that in the administration that we have. At least I think so. Well, they say, where are the babies? Where are the babies? Where are the children? Where are the girls? We don't know. They're spread yeah. around the United States. Well, the good thing about the um, court case, well, there are many good things about it, but they now have to identify. They're starting to enumerate. Do They're doing DNA testing. Um, 
making a roster of who the children right. are, who the you know, enlisting parents, children, and then they just have to come to the point where they uh, match them. So the court has asked for a list, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. They have, and they haven't come up with it yet. But anyway, this is the bad story of the day. Not just 2,000 children separated from their parents, but 3,000. This comes from the head of health human and human services. But it's interesting juxtaposition the two stories. 18 days, what we went through (laughs) about these children in Thailand and so many more days with the children who have come across the border in Mexico. That's right. Well, juxtaposition, that does it. So you had the good, you had the bad, and now we're going to take a break. We'll be back with you. This is Birdsong. There's more to come. You will be hearing from EJ, who has an ugly story for us. This is Birdsong back with you. Got my friend EJ today. And we've been talking about the good and the bad in the news. The good that the boys in Thailand and their coach were saved from the cave that they had been in for 18 days without food. At any rate, we juxtapose that with what was happening on the border. EJ wants to say more about that. I just think... uh I'm thinking about how Americans have shown by their following this story and showing so much concern about uh, the kids in Thailand. It shows the good side, the positive um, feelings that we have had and concern we've had for children of Thailand. And um, I'm just hoping, you know, and glad that we're also showing concern about the children who have been coming over the border and being separated from their parents from um, the Americas. Central America. Central America. But they're Americans just like we are, Uh just from Central America. And um, those people who may not feel the same way about the other, the children coming from Central America being separated you know, remember what we were taught, those people who are Christians and anybody else who has a heart, you know, what would what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Right. All right. Well spoken, EJ. Let's move on to our ugly story. You have one for us. Let's hear it. <laughs> this story is about s- several poachers. Um. Who, who it was believed to have, it's believed that they had been killed by a pride of lions after they broke into a South America, South African game reserve in a bid to stalk and slaughter rhinos. They have at least three armed men with a high powered rifle, an axe, and other carrying supplies, including enough food for a number of days made their way onto the game reserve early Monday. That was according to the reserve's owner. 
They had all the mark hallmarks of a gang intent on killing Rhino and removing their horns. Yes. That's in the reserve. Yeah, in the preserve. The Rhino horns are valued in Asia for medicinal purposes. It's also known if you grind it up, Rhino horns is supposed to be a great aphrodisiac. Now, I don't know if that really works, but Rhino horns go for a lot of money. I understand that last year a thousand rhino horns were gathered. That means a thousand rhinos were killed. They're an endangered species. Not that I'm a rhino lover, but let the animals in Africa live, particularly in these game reserves. What else do you have to say about it? <laughs> well, it was reported <coughs> that um, they discovered human remains from several bodies as well as the items, <clears throat> the kind of items that these men had, um, high-powered rifle, gloves, wire cutters. An axe. An axe, right. And a backpack containing food and water. And they found it in the vicinity of the lions. Well, I don't think it belonged to the lions. <laughs> and obviously <laughs> the rifle didn't help these guys. Well, let me just say this. It sounds sort of like poetic justice, doesn't it? They go, they slip into a private animal reserve in South Africa trying to kill rhinos for their horns. But lions live there too. And lions seem to eat them all. As I understand it, they found body, bloody body parts uh, around uh, where these, the animals were, where the lions were. But that's just horrible. And well, it was illegal. Well, it was illegal. They, certainly. they broke into their their quarters it's like somebody breaking into your home right you have a right to protect yourself <laughs> well it's always a, a loss of human life is always bad but these yeah. guys were thugs now you know have you I ever been, know who's, somebody is dealing in in uh, stolen goods if they're they've been doing it for hundreds of years so so these uh, what hospitals doctors no or they're not these? no no this is a black market type of thing basically poachers in Africa, some are black, some are white. They get the horns and they sell them to people who run these operations. And they get the, as I understand it, the rhino horns are shipped to parts of Asia where people are, that's in high demand. They grind some of it up for powder and do all kinds of things. Well, they use it for medicinal purposes. Well, Is it turned into... Prescription? Drugs no, I don't. I don't. Well, no, no, no. I don't think it's prescription drugs. Oh, okay. I think it's herbal, more an herbal type of medicine, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Folk medicine, you might right, call it. Right, right, right. But now, you know, have you ever been on a safari? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, don't I, intend to either. <laughs> well, you know, I lived in Africa twice, and uh, Africa still has lots of game reserves. When I was there, I did not go on any safari. Some of the people I served with in the embassies did go on safaris, but you know why I didn't go on safari? Why? Because I don't want to be around wild animals, okay? <laughs> I just don't trust wild animals. You see what happened to these people. Although these safaris, they take you out in these land rovers and mm -hmm, things like mm -hmm. that. I don't want to be around live uh, lions. I don't want to be around wild elephants. I mean, it's like it's dangerous. It really is. So I'm not going on any 
so far. You can't really control how they're going to react to you. That's exactly right. That's the thing about wild animals. You never know what they're going to do. And if they don't like your smell, <laughs> it's bad. But if they do like your smell, it's, it's even worse. worse. <laughs> well, I guess the worst place or the most dangerous place where they have animals that you might go is Disney's Animal Kingdom, huh? <laughs> well, I've, I've been there, of course. I took my daughter there. We had a good time, but it was safe. Those are animatronic animals. Some of them were. Some of them were. Not all of them, but some of them. They have live animals at uh, Disney's Wild Kingdom or whatever it's called. Oh, okay. But some of them, some of them, Animal King, some of them are animatronic. I didn't know that. But there are some, I don't think there are any real live lions. There may be, but uh, it's a safe place. Oh, okay. All right. You've seen on TV where people are in a... Uh, an open uh and then you have like a uh, camel or something sticks their yes, head into that's the right. car right is that a reserve or is that, that that's like a, that's a reserve that's that a reserve. that's a reserve yeah mm-hmm. they have camels in some places there are places in florida where you can go and Giraffes. do that yes that's right mm-hmm. and i don't want to go <laughs> i won't be around them i just don't trust wild animals Okay. This is Birdsong. Stick with us. There's more to come. Thanks, EJ, for that story. Poachers being eaten by lions in this day and age. My, my, my. Folks, back with you, Birdsong. Happy to be here. Hope you're enjoying the show today. There's more to come. I love dumb criminal law stories. The one we just talked about, about the ugly story about the poachers who got eaten by lions, could be a dumb criminal law story, but not one that I came up with. Our first story today comes from Alabama. The headline read, Ouch! It has been reported that a policeman took a bite out of crime, and then the suspect took a bite out of him. It started as a traffic stop in a Walmart parking lot that led to a scuffle, the bite, and the arrest of Patrick Trotman L., 33, of Huntsville, Alabama, who was wanted for probation violation in Georgia. We learned that the bitten officer was taken to the hospital, treated and released, and Mr. Trotman L. was taken to jail. Next story comes from Australia. Mom of the year, not, says the headline. A mom who filmed herself saying, quote, go for it, son, didn't fare well. Why not? She was sentenced to nine months in jail for encouraging her 11-year-old to take his first bong hit of marijuana. In a video that went viral, the mom states, quote, Here we are recording my boy having his very first bong. The boy is then seen lighting up and smoking. Oh, my goodness. Mom of the year, not. Mom of the year, not. (laughs) (laughs) And videotaped it. Videotaped it. These people are so dumb. Well, she had nine months in jail. The next story is from California. How about this dumb criminal story? The headline said, Attempted Gumball Theft. A clumsy burglar 
This is in California. A clumsy burger, burglar rather, smashed a window at a front street animal shelter in Sacramento, California, and climbed into the building. He then tried to pull a large gumball machine back through the window. However, the machine was too large and the treat spilled out on the floor. That's what he wanted anyway. <laughs> That's, that was all ca caught on surveillance video. The burglar eventually fled without uh, the machine. Mm -hmm. mm -mm -mm. But did he collect some of those gumballs? Well, you know, he probably put some of them in his pocket. A story from Canada now. The headline. Bad apple arrested thanks to a single cherry. It appears that America's most wanted deadbeat dad was arrested in Canada earlier this year after he tried to scam a restaurant by claiming a cherry pit broke his expensive dental work. Joseph Stroop, 64, who owes $560,000 in unpaid child support, oh my God. demanded Scott Winograd, the owner of the Bears Den restaurant in Calgary, Canada, uh, was uh, given the bill for the dental work damage. Well, he didn't pay it. Instead, Mr. Winograd, Winograd rather, Google Stroop's name, <laughs> learned there was a warrant for him and called the police. <laughs> The police came, arrested him, and now he's on the hook for the $560,000 in unpaid child support in America. <laughs> Here's one from Connecticut. Could he have ripped off the wrong fellow, says the headline? We learned that in January 2018, a man stole a rookie police officer's personal vehicle, and went on a buying spree with the victim's credit card at Taco Bell and Walmart. <laughs> Derek Johnson, 21, stole the car in Waterbury, Connecticut on January 23rd, the night of the officer's police academy graduation. He was caught in March and was charged with burglary, second-degree larceny, and identity theft. Could he have ripped off the wrong fellow? AJ. <laughs> These stories well, never go. Where the police, where he was, he wasn't at Taco Bell that night. Now here's a strange one from Florida. The headline on this one says, "What a, what a saucy love triangle." Two men, John Silva and Derek Irving, stand accused of breaking into their former lover's house and trying to burn it down using what? A can of spaghetti sauce. It was reported that Irving was wearing a bull costume. The two burglars then stole electronics from their former boyfriend's house. Police found a can of spaghetti sauce left on a stove burner, as well as a watch, a washcloth placed nearby the open flame. Oh, what? What a saucy love triangle. They had a can of spaghetti sauce that they wanted, I guess, to explode in. There would be a fire, but they were caught. Obviously, scorn lovers, huh? Obviously. Florida, headline, a bust in the mouth, maybe? A woman claims that she was permanently injured when a drag queen wiggled her fake breast in her face and slammed them against her head and neck repeatedly during a dinner performance <clears throat> at Hamburger Mary's in Tampa, Florida. Neldon Molina is her name. She's now seeking $1.5 million in damages from the drag queen Amanda Darude and the restaurant. 
A bust in the mouth, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But they were fake. (laughs) They were fake. Story from Illinois. Headline, no, no to melatonin stuffed treats. No, no to melatonin stuffed treats. It's been reported that Illinois parents are not sweet on three daycare teachers. Why not? Allegedly, these daycare teachers fed their toddlers gummy bears laced with sleep medication. Kristen Loletta, Jesse Hayes, and Ashley Healthbein, no, Healthenbein, sorry, allegedly passed out melatonin stuffed treats to tots aged two and three before nappy time at the Kitty Junction Daycare Center in Des Plaines, Illinois. They were each charged with endangering the life or health of a child. No, no to melatonin, melatonin stuffed treats, we say. That's not even a funny story, is it? No, it isn't. It's horrible. Melatonin. I guess it's they're not good, not good for children of that age, huh? That's right. I'll have to remember that. Okay. Usually, you you would give a child or a young child um, chamomile tea. Chamomile tea. That's yes. right. Well, here's our last story of the day for the dumb criminal stories. This one comes from out of Massachusetts. Police solve case of foul play. Foul is F-O-W-L. Police solve case of foul play. Police officer Wayne Thornhill of the Seekonk, Massachusetts Police Department recently pulled over a car and saw a backpack in the back seat move on its own. (laughs) The backpack turned out to be stuffed with seven chickens stolen from a nearby farm. The 20-year-old driver was arrested for larceny and animal cruelty. We learn further that the chickens were returned to their owner. Don't the chickens always go home to roost? <laughs> this is Birdsong and EJ. Where would I be without my riddles? Three riddles. See if you can figure these out, EJ, and you listeners, too. Okay. First riddle. What do you call two guys hanging in a window? What do you call two guys hanging in a window? Mm. You don't have to answer it now. Think about it. (laughs) Second one. Why can't pigs keep a secret? Why can't pigs keep a secret? Boy, these are hard. No, they're not. (laughs) How can you tell when a vampire has a cold? That's the third one for the day. I'll come back at the end of the show and give you the answers to these riddles. This is Birdsong. Stick with us. Here's more to come. folks, this is Birdsong back with you. Glad to be here. I'm always happy to be on the radio. Hope you're enjoying the show. As you know, I read Paul Harvey's stories because I liked him as a broadcaster. I aspire to be as good a broadcaster. These stories are written by Paul Harvey's son, Paul Arant Jr. And uh, the one that I have for you today is called The Kingdom of Love. The royal edict was proclaimed near and far. 
the young prince who would soon ascend to the throne, was seeking a suitable princess. All the noble families of the kingdom must escort their eligible daughters to the court, for from among them the future queen would be chosen. It is said that 2,000 high-born young ladies were brought before the prince and that he was attracted to only one. Many had come from nobler families. Others might have made a more politically advantaged marriage. Yet for the young prince, there was an even higher consideration. He had fallen in love. It was the beginning of a real-life love story that history forgot. And this is the rest of the story. In 1547, the year 1547, the young prince was crowned king. Shortly thereafter, he made the girl of his dream his queen. I know of no royal romance quite like it. For the benevolence of this young monarch's reign was directly reflective of his profoundly affectionate marital relationship. It was as though the youthful king and queen, as a result of their devotion to each other, set out to transform their country into a kingdom of love. They began a new era in the nation's history, one in which the king was regarded as father to the subjects and in which those subjects were restored to equanimity. A traveler in that land wrote home, I think no prince in Christendom is better beloved. In the government's high council, members were free to express any opinion, no matter how contrary to the king's. For the first time ever in that nation, its poorest citizen citizen had access through petition to its leader. Indeed, the king became particular a particular friend of the poor, a humanitarian devoted to charity and to the relief of suffering everywhere. The king proved to be a godly man a builder of churches, a humble ruler who fasted and prayed, a monarch who believed that the men in his government should be good men and that the children of his kingdom should be set early upon the path of righteousness. To all such things which were good, the queen encouraged her king. It was her tremendous tenderness which had tamed the raucous boy and urged him into manhood of dignity. It was her virtue which had inspired his goodness and godliness. Her benevolence and understanding, which had served as a moral example for the wisest leader that nation ever followed. In turn, he, the king, loved her, his queen, as few men have ever loved anyone. And then one day, the queen fell ill. The king frantically summoned his finest medical advisors. The king wept. The king prayed. But the queen died. And the king changed. The fairy tale was finished. A nightmare was only beginning. For once upon a time, there was a king who threw himself into a life of dissipation and drunken revelry who seized those who had been his friends and tortured them and impaled them on stakes and burned them alive. A sadistic beast of a man who murdered children, even his own. History almost forgot the saint he was, remembering hate. History almost forgot the saint he was, remembering instead the demon he became.
For after 13 years of glory and goodness, the nation's most benevolent ruler became its most evil. His mind twisted by grief and determined to destroy the haunting memories became in the torment, the surprise instrument of destruction. But don't let it be forgot that the kingdom bathed in blood was once wrapped in dreams and that the king, more than a king, the czar of all Russia, with his bride by his side, was known as Ivan the Wonderful. <laughs> Only when she, Anastasia, was gone, with when the light in the czar's heart was extinguished forever, the fiend that remained was known as Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> now you know the rest of the story. Isn't that something, folks? True story. All right, we're almost at the end of the show. It's been great being here with you. Let's see if we can answer some of these riddles. First one, what do you call two guys hanging in a window? What do you call two guys hanging in a window? You call them Kurt and Rod. <laughs> now, this is an easy one. EJ, I bet you can get this. Why can't pigs keep secrets? I have no clue. Because pigs always squeal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> How can you always tell when a vampire has a cold? How can you always tell when a vampire has a cold? I don't know. Something to do with blood? You can always tell a vampire has a cold because of its coffin. <laughs> oh, those are our three riddles for today. Let's see. I think I have a thought of the day that I want to leave you with. Here it is. If someone is going down the wrong road, he doesn't need motivation to speed him up. What he needs is education to turn him around. This is Birdsong and EJ. Have a good week. We'll be back next week. Au revoir. <laughs>